I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. And I'm Edison. Y'all better grab your extra large popcorn. We are in the thick of things with great films. I am open and positive. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> Let's throw okay. on these boxer gloves. Let's do it. Let's fucking do it. <laughs> Welcome to Talk Movie to Me, a weekly podcast where we do a deep dive on a new release that's just hit theaters or streaming. I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. And I'm Edison. Let me paint the scene for you. Your name is Thelonious Ellison. People call you Monk. You are a black man, middle-aged, an author, and a professor at a university in L.A. The novels you write are highbrow, thoughtful, nuanced, but they don't sell all that well. And your latest is struggling to even get to print, with your literary agent telling you that the publishers aren't interested because, to put it frankly, the book isn't quote-unquote black enough. Like Whitney Houston before you, when met with similar criticisms about her music, you are flummoxed, and more than a little perturbed by this not-black-enough accusation. I mean, what the hell are they even talking about? You are a writer, you're black, thus your book is a black book. But everywhere you look, on billboards and bookstores, on magazine covers and talk shows, you see the triumphant success of another author, Santara Golden, whose novel, Wheeze Lives in the Ghetto, is topping the bestseller list despite, or perhaps because, it so fully seems to pander to black stereotypes. Frustrated, you write a new book under the pen name Stag R. Lee, entitled My Pathology, a story overflowing with every bad cliché of the black experience you can think of. Embittered and emboldened and with a very large point to prove, you have your agent submit it to every publisher he knows. If they say they want a black book, you'll give it to them and then see what they think. Turns out, what they think is that they have a bestseller on their hands and can't wait to make you an offer you can't refuse. What happens next can only be American fiction. The film, based on Percival Everett's novel Erasure, is written and directed by Cord Jefferson and stars Jeffrey Wright as Monk. Rounding out the cast are Tracy Ellis Ross and Sterling K. Brown as Monk's siblings, Leslie Uggams as his mother, and Erica Alexander as a new love interest. American Fiction asks the question, in the often blurred line between fact and fiction, which are more dangerous, the lies we tell to others, the lies we tell ourselves, or the lies we've been told by society itself? First impression, Helen. Yeah, okay, well, first of all, I made it on time. I was just going to ask, did you actually (laughs) see the first 10 minutes of this movie? I did, and it's because I went to Varsity, okay? (laughs) Way easier to get to, and I actually, I as an experiment, I was like, I'm going to see how long do I have of commercials and uh, trailers, exactly 15 minutes, okay? (laughs) so Very good, mm -hmm. very good. (laughs) Now we know. This movie is under two hours, and I am just so happy about that (laughs) and within the first few minutes we get a sense of how sort of fast-paced and economical this film is going to be when it comes to storytelling and time um it starts Mm -hmm. off like right away it doesn't waste any time um and i really appreciate that i'm excited to take in this movie that's been getting you know really great reviews and i'm just so grateful that i'm not going to be sitting in this theater for you know longer than two hours really (laughs) fair how about you Sinclair your first impression yeah I found this really humorous right away Mm -hmm. it doesn't take long to get into the humor I loved seeing Jeffrey Wright I have so much affinity for Jeffrey Wright he's 
obviously had a really great career, but I, I do think that he's really underrated and usually see him in more supporting parts. Mm-hmm. So I just love seeing him front and center in this one. You just like his character right away, even though he does seem yeah. a bit of a dick. Um, yeah. He's enjoyable right away. And you can tell he's very frustrated. And he's also kind of a truth stick, which I appreciated as <laughs> <Yeah>. well. So <laughs> I was just in. I was already having a good time watching this. I love that. Yeah, I feel like that opening scene was already perfect. Like, we're in this classroom, Monk is giving a lecture about Flannery O'Connor's short story entitled The Artificial Mm N-Word. And yeah, one of the students, this white girl is so offended that they have to see that word printed on the chalkboard. And even seeing it there is violent and offensive. And Monk challenges her and she, but she insists. And then he finally loses it. He loses cool and it's like, listen, if I could get over it, I think you might be able to too or something like that. Mm-hmm. And she leaves. And I just thought this was a really, really great opening scene because it's already giving us this tension. Yeah. In terms of his relationship to race, other people's mm-hmm. relationship to race, ideas about what is offensive or to whom or who has the right mm-hmm. to be offended. It's complex, mm-hmm. chewy mm-hmm. stuff. And the first three minutes of this film. And so I was like fully here for that. Yeah. Um, I also just want to say, too, I think it's interesting that they're talking about Flannery O'Connor because she has a really good quote that says the truth doesn't change according to our ability to stomach it. Mm. So I think it was like a very appropriate um, author. There's to, so much of with. that. Yeah. The, this whole film is full of those types of meta references, which I yeah. just so appreciate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we get right into storytelling? Lots to cover. This is a very dense film in terms of the amount of storytelling that we have and the amount of themes that are covered. Um, As you said, Edison, in your intro, this is based off of the novel Erasure by Percival Everett. And this story is so meta. We Mm -hmm. have, you know a man writing a book that is then going to get turned into a movie and then spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. By the end, we're zooming out and seeing that the movie we've been watching is the movie that he's talking about. You know, there's a lot of layers here. Yeah. And it is, it's a kind of a lot to wrap your head around, but yeah, yeah, there's, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to storytelling. Yeah. It's interesting because, This movie, the premise of this movie isn't necessarily new uh, Mm -hmm. in terms of a new idea for a film. The idea of creating a bad piece of work to make a point, but it ends up being a hit. This has been done successfully before. This kind of reminded me of the producers where Mm. they need to put on a bad play and they make springtime for Hitler and it becomes a big, (laughs) big hit. Um, South Park actually does an episode. Um, They try to write the most offensive book of all time. They write a book called The uh, Poop That Took a Pee. And it becomes a smash hit. And Morgan Freeman narrates it. And the people just love it, even though it's making them just throw up. They just keep reading it. This just works. This type of uh, film, this idea, this structure, it just, it works. It's a great starting point to have a social commentary i do love the idea of 
we as human beings, how we can be drawn to garbage. <laughs> and mm-hmm. this is what sells. And it's such a good social commentary. And I, I love that this film takes that idea but uses it to explore how black people have been portrayed in pop culture. There have been black filmmakers that have done this idea before. There's a couple films that have really, really inspired American fiction. There's a movie called Hollywood Shuffle from 1987. It's directed by Robert Townsend, which is about a black actor who has to lean into these black stereotypes in order to work as an actor in Hollywood Mm -hmm. and the feeling of letting down his family by portraying black people in such a stereotypical manner and feeling like it's doing the black community a disservice taking these parts but also needing to work there's also a really hard-hitting film called bamboozled Spike Lee's film uh, where there is a black tv writer who creates the most racist show possible Uh, he has the actors wearing blackface he Mm really is quite hard hitting and it you know american fiction has teeth mm-hmm. it, it's not as hard hitting as not a as spike sharp. lee not as sharp <laughs> as a spike yeah. lee film but those two films were heavy influences on this film i was a little bit worried because this did would win people's choice right at tiff yeah. and some past winners green book is a past winner mm-hmm. um but also um belfast and um the fablemans which i find <laughs> to be very digestible movies right. i was yeah. a little worried that people were liking this movie because it was digestible but mm-hmm. i was pleasantly surprised that this managed to be a really good watch but also yeah be really strong in its commentary and what it was saying and unapologetic for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that this, it's really cool that this is sort of a continuation of this, those influences, right? This is his first direct, like his Mm -hmm. first directorial debut, which is pretty amazing. But this is a film that could only be made by a black filmmaker. Of course. It's so (laughs) specific to that lens. Like you just can't make it. A white person just couldn't make this movie. (laughs) It is a good example of what happens when when people get to tell their own stories who aren't traditionally mm-hmm. given the opportunity to do so. And it's ends up being really thought-provoking and original mm-hmm. in, in what it is. And I, like when you think about the main character, Monk, that's his whole thing, right? He's over it. He's fed up with the way that black stories are being represented in the media. I wonder if Monk would even be a fan of Spike Lee. Probably sometimes, probably sometimes mm-hmm. not. It's yeah. an interesting thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, he even says at the beginning of the movie when he's speaking on the phone, like, you know, I don't even really believe in race. <laughs> like As he... he then literally attacks, tries to flag a taxi and it picks up a white person yeah. standing nearby. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and also, you know, a lot of, the films that inspired this, you know, one was 1987, Bamboozled is 2000. It's mm. kind of shocking that 2024, this commentary still holds up. <laughs> For sure. Well, and, you know, yeah, what the big theme of this film is, is the depiction of black people's experience in America and how it is modified to cater to white audiences. Yes. And mm. you think about 
a movie like Green Book, and that's exactly what that was, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That m- movie was saying it was about creating less racial inequity when really it was just a way to make white people feel okay <laughs> about mm. racist history. Mm. And that's and this movie's not doing that, right? This, this movie is saying mm. that's a problem. And yeah. like there, there's progress being made in certain areas, but then at the same time, it's not, right? Like you said, Sinclair, mm. like we're still kind of having the same conversation decade after decade. But I like the way that this film is navigating that conversation mm-hmm. and that dialogue because it's from the perspective of Monk. He's mm-hmm. this like, he doesn't see himself represented in any of the black media that he's witnessing, right? Mm-hmm. He has a very specific experience and privilege right. of growing up in, a, in this family and, you know, they're all doctors. It's a, it's a different lived experience. His name is Thelonious. He's named after a jazz famous jazz yeah. player. You know what I mean? And he's exasperated by those the fact that those are the only types of stories kind of being allowed greenlit by the gatekeepers which Mm -hmm. i guess are all basically white people but Mm -hmm. yeah it is it's a really interesting thing because he's i i suspect that core jefferson the film's writer and director must feel very similarly to yeah he he said that he was really drawn to this material because he feels like when he looks for material he ha- he needs to see himself to some degree in that material. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Yeah, that totally makes sense. This movie asks really interesting questions about art in general, and why do we make art, and who are we making it for? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I kind of took away from it is that that those answers can change over time, and that's okay, and that one isn't necessarily inherently good or bad when monk has that conversation with centara when they're trying to decide on the winner of the literary award you know they're butting heads over his book fuck and her book (laughs) and and he's saying like are they not the same and Mm -hmm. and he says at one point you know i there's so much more potential right in in black people and mm-hmm. she says potential is what people see when it's when what's in front of them isn't good enough mm-hmm. and i thought that that was such an interesting perspective an interesting thing to say because there you know there's lowbrow art there's highbrow art i think that there is good in in so many different types of art and it's made for different reasons and it's mm-hmm. made for different people and i think that that's okay and yeah. and I th- I think that that's something that that Monk realizes is that his perspective isn't necessarily the best or the only perspective, even mm. though logically I think he thinks that he's right. Oh, he totally does for sure. And it and I think that that's a cool arc of this character too. Mm-hmm. It's such a neat bit where he's learning from her about like and from his brother in that one scene, kind of like. Okay, wait a minute. You, you, we all know these intellectual, academic, snobby, mm-hmm. pretentious artist types, mm-hmm. and they are so resolute in the sort of righteousness of their lens. Mm-hmm. And it's it's funny to see it kind of not break, but be just like rocked a little bit. Yeah. I thought the writing in this was so good with how it communicated yeah. that, like the analogy of the labels. 
the yeah red that label, was so label, good black label that was really great and mm-hmm. that was such a strong metaphor i was like Whoa, it was that a really very strong metaphor there's a place for all of these things you know but the movie is also saying but at what cost so mm-hmm. if too many people choose the red label all the time you know we end up with 40 seasons of the kardashians right you know so mm-hmm. um where do we draw the line and and what does it cost us to not want to see you know the potential not wanting to have the highest quality of what we're consuming but i think also what the film is saying is that like Issa Rae's character that stance about the that line about potential mm-hmm. if what you're seeing in front of you isn't good enough mm-hmm. is only really legitimate if you have the ability to see all options in front of you mm-hmm. if you've got a whole shelf full of all of the different Johnny Walker labels that you want but mm-hmm. what Monk is saying is that I'm looking at that shelf and I'm only really seeing one Johnny Walker label so mm-hmm. that's not really an answer to that question. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I felt like this was a real inner dialogue between the the art, like between the creative behind mm-hmm. this film, right? I thought the debate between those two characters was so good, and I was actually mm-hmm. waiting for it to happen. Like I couldn't mm-hmm. wait for it to happen because I knew it was, mm-hmm. and I knew it was going to be written really well. Because neither of them are really necessarily wrong. Yeah, you know, exactly. she's saying. You know, I'm giving a platform to the voiceless. These are real people I base my book on. Yeah. You know, I these are, are real voices. I did a lot of research for this. But at the same time, you can say, well, are you profiting off of somebody's trauma? Are you can tr- are you furthering these stereotypes? Then again, you know, Monk's work, it's enjoyed by few. I mean, it's not making an impact at all. So right. it's it's hard because people need to work sometimes right. as well yeah. like yeah. he discovers that when he needs to help support his family you know so this mm-hmm. this yeah. idea of artists like selling out and what is what is mm. the cost of this and what is this further um but at the same time maybe you want your work seen and heard by the masses to make more of an impact like it's it's a tough it's a tough debate well, and I yeah. think to even say the fact that he was able to write that and it was so successful and he did make so much money off of it, that is a success. You were smart enough to know that you could write something that people would eat up because you're smart enough to know that that's what they want, even if it's not what you actually believe or think or respect. And it's that exchange with Coraline, his new love interest too, when he sees, when she says that she really loves that that book before she knows that it's his and he's like wait a minute what like she's a lawyer she's a thinker he respects the way that her mind works and it makes that really shatters his sort of thoughts about himself because he's like i wrote this as a fucking send-up but it's like Mm -hmm. uh but also it's you can't it's probably still good because he's a good writer in some Mm -hmm. ways right like it's gonna still have a judgment too like it's such a moment of judgment where he's like disappointed in her for right. liking that but it's all projection he's disappointed yeah. in himself for like part of him you could see it in the scene when he was like i also love the way that they kind of showed that scene in the mm-hmm. room when he was writing and and like the characters were coming to life in front of him there yeah, i loved that. Um, that was so well done it, 
it was really cool. But you could see in that moment, he was kind of getting juice from this, too, personally. Yeah. He just doesn't want to admit it. Well, it's interesting because she says, Coraline says, that when they first meet, that she's a fan of his. She read his book, and he mm-hmm. was very flattered by that. He's like, she read my book. She thought my book was good. But then when she says fuck is good it's like well okay well what is your standard of good Mm -hmm. so that attacks him in a way because he's like if she likes this then (laughs) she could like anything and how do i take that that first compliment from her seriously if she also it it also just goes to show how subjective art is because yeah because even thinking about Iron Claw, like you both liked that more than I did. And mm-hmm. I'm sure that, you, you know, personal experience plays into how we digest art and take in art. Mm-hmm. And it, if it's going to affect the way that we feel about it, like liking or disliking certain art is not it's not black and white. Like you can't say mm-hmm. that that makes you good or bad. And I think that this movie does such a good job of um, demonstrating that and Something else that I loved, um, and this goes back to Coraline, one of the things she says to Monk is not being able to relate to people isn't a badge of honor. Mm-hmm. Because he mm-hmm. does have this sort of like holier than thou, I'm up on my pedestal, mm-hmm. I'm smarter than you, I know more than you, therefore, um, you know, I, I take pride in that. And she's saying no, like that's not, mm-hmm. sure, the great that you're smart, but also like, you need to be able to see the world the way that other people see it too. Mm-hmm. But I think that that can be difficult for people who are like geniuses. Yeah. And like we have that one little scene with his mom where mm-hmm. she's like, you know, you are a genius and whatever. And he's distant from his family. And I wanted to get to touch on that too with you all. Mm-hmm. Like this film, basically, we've been talking a lot about the themes and around. Mm-hmm, the, mm-hmm. There's a lot to chew on in this film, but it's yeah. also like a movie. Right. right. <laughs> and <laughs> like, yeah, with there's a ton this... of familial drama. As yeah. Well. yeah. Yeah. Like, there's a whole God. sort of second, like, mm-hmm. story here, which is all the family drama of mm-hmm. this. Do you feel like that was necessary? Do you feel like it worked? Did it help kind of round out the character? Were you in for all of that? What were, what were your thoughts on the family drama sort of half of this narrative? I thought it was great. Yeah, um, me too. Because it really. I think it really managed to just be a fully realized movie and it yeah it offers so much to you as an audience you know it it offers things to think about it makes you question things but it also has like universally relatable issues that we all deal mm-hmm. with with our family we, you know we all deal with sickness it manages to be a satire a drama a comedy it, it's a romantic story mm-hmm. in parts uh, and it's also meta in parts and I think that it's just saying like hey black stories are not one-dimensional stereotypes right. we experience all these things and we should yeah. be seeing that on screen and I think it actually does an incredible job of balancing the drama and the comedy because there's there's quite a few tragic things that happen in this movie mm-hmm. and this movie's really funny <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I was laughing out loud throughout so much of the movie and 
and it does it in a way that still feels true. Like I didn't feel like it was, you know, forcing me to laugh or forcing me to be sad or anything like the, it, the balance was really there. And then we get, and it's also a, um, the movie self-aware, like we get mm-hmm. it at the end where Adam Brody's character says like, oh no, no, this can't be a, a rom-com, right? Like it's, it's aware that it's trying to do these different genres. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and it's kind, it's kind of like, you know, what ending do you want? We can give you yeah. every ending. You know, what ending yeah. do, you, do you want to see here? That ending was a real, it's a big swing. It's a bold it choice. Is, it is, yeah. yeah. And it's also totally, totally different from the rest of the film. It's like, po- yeah. it's a whole new situation coming in. I'm sure that that probably has thrown some people off. Yeah, probably there's I, people watching this movie that did not like it. Yeah. What yeah. did you think? It definitely becomes it. quite cerebral um, mm. at the end. I, I love that it's saying that like, it is self-aware in the sense that like movies will tie things up in a bow for you, but life is not like that. And that's what it's saying is like, there is no happy ending. There is no, the truth of the matter is that things just keep continue to happen after this particular story is over mm-hmm. and to wrap it up in a bow would be untruthful. Yeah. And I think that's what it's saying is like, sure, I could, I could go this way. I could go that way. I could go the other way. Or you could just, it it just ends because that's the end of this particular story. Well, and the very, very, very last shot, I think it it does end on this slightly like almost cynical note. I took it as this like, okay, the final shot is Monk and his brother. They're Mm -hmm. on the studio lot, right? Mm -hmm. They get into the brother's obscenely gorgeous convertible, Mm -hmm. which I just coveted completely. He locks eyes with this actor who's, you know sitting on the lot there and they in costume and it's very clearly a sort of a slave costume and he's but he's got these ear pods in and he, I know they kind of nod at each other like hey, what's up yeah. and it's you know this really cool moment where there's no dialogue exchange but it says so much and I I don't know it's open again to interpretation on how you see this whole story for me it it was a little bit like this is Hollywood you're on a Hollywood lot it's all a game entertainment's a game mm-hmm. play the game make the money get in your convertible that's how you win mm-hmm. if you want to play that game is another mm-hmm. question but like that's kind of what that was right mm-hmm. or it was a little bit like this is what i gotta do i'm playing a slave I but know. i got my ear pods mm-hmm. so i don't know like it left me with that slight little bit like and the game continues mm-hmm. which is a but little I, cynical I think and that i was that's like that's oh. the truth right i think it's I the know. truth for art too in the sense that like most people have to sell out to yeah. a certain mm. degree I you did know. think to myself watching this movie, I would definitely sell out for like four million dollars. <laughs> of course. Are I you would. kidding? Me too. Without I just want to. I want a comfortable life. I don't care. <laughs> I will, I want to say one. I just have one last little thing okay. to say. That was you know we we've talked about how meta the film is. There's all kinds of elements where it's really meta, but one thing that I just love this little detail. Um, that Monk chooses for his pen name is Stag R. Lee. Mm. And this is a nod to Stagger Lee, this larger-than-life folk icon who's been the subject of songs ranging from all the way back to Ma Rainey through the jazz era with Duke Ellington, but also like James Brown, Bob Dylan, Tina Turner, Elton John, even Amy Winehouse. Oh, wow. Has sung Stagger Lee song. Um, and, but I think the appeal using it for this particular thing is that this is exactly the type of like black folk icon that Thelonious would 
lampoon because mm. it's a character that's based on a pimp and a murderer who like shot and killed a guy in a saloon because that guy grabbed his stetson hat off of his head mm. but yet somehow over the years staggerly has become this outlaw of legend but it's just mythology and thelonious mm. would would know that mm. and take joy in using this pseudonym for the book knowing full well that like none of no the white publishers would know. Would it, right? <laughs> yeah yeah it's so it's just so good yeah. like yeah um okay so why don't we jump into performances i think that jeffrey wright is really exceptional in this movie and really yeah. funny Mm-hmm. Like the comedic acting in this movie was super strong. And like I said, in storytelling, like so well balanced with the dramatic moments. But yeah, I, I do think that he is really exceptional in this movie. Yeah. He has a really great combination of dry humor, snobbery, and charm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause this could be an easily like unlikable character, and he's not. Mm hmm. It could also be a character that would be that could be really aloof and distant, mm. just by the nature of who they are and what you know what they do and the distance that they keep actively from everybody. But yeah, he has a certain warmth that he can play, but he also is just so able to be cool and distant too. Like it's this unique introverted energy, mm-hmm. and I know he's an INFJ, but he is so. <laughs> Uh, like he's fantastic in this. I really love his voice. Mm-hmm. He's got such a distinctive voice, and he never really like escalates, mm-hmm. you know, in the performance. And yet, it still mm-hmm. is all there. Mm-hmm. I thought it was fantastic. He, we know the Oscar nominations came out. He's nominated for best actor. Mm-hmm. Um, not surprised by that at all. Very happy that he's got the nomination. Um, Tracy Ellis Ross, who I just love. Mm-hmm. I when she came on screen, I was like, "This is great!" And I thought she was going to be in the yeah. whole thing. <laughs> I know. And I know. Like, I was quite sad with that. And I think that making her the sister and having us lose her. So, yeah. oh, I on, hated that. You really I do not feel the devastation of the family because you're like, yeah. "Oh man, I wanted to watch her for this whole movie." Me yeah. too. You know, you yeah, really and do it's feel the a loss. great character. Yeah, it's a really great, like, and you're character. like, how are they going to continue to navigate this, and you know, like, work this out? That those mm-hmm. particular dynamics, like the navigating of family, elderly family care between siblings, is something I'm extremely mm-hmm. familiar with over yeah. the past few years, and it's a, a stressful challenging difficult dynamic and i was like okay well let me see myself in this film in this way uh, but um yeah it's she was she's always like she's just great she's just like a beam of light how did how did you feel about sterling k brown because the news of his oscar nomination has just come out today mm-hmm. the day that we're talking about this film yeah, yeah. um Ah, well, I mean, I'll be completely honest that I'm baffled and confused by that nomination. I was very much <laughs> hoping for Charles Melton for that. Yeah. I I don't get what's like, sure, he was fine. He's like very hot. But I also there was a shot was of like, his butt Edison where oh, I, no. I was like, <laughs> as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, Edison is just going to be all Dying. over this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's go- he's completely gorgeous. Yeah. Um, But like. I don't know, just giving us that character in general. I was like, mm, okay. that character. Like, you're, felt... you're just giving me a gay stereotype. Yeah. Like, that character felt like it should have been on Sex in the City. 
Yeah, it's hundred percent weaker of. of Totally, totally. I didn't see there was nothing. It's like the gay guy who cheats on his wife, and with like with a guy, and then suddenly he's like, "Oh, now I'm gay. I guess I'm gonna have a bunch of twinks around me and do a bunch of drugs by the pool." Yeah, like it's so lame. So I don't understand why that is a Oscar nominated performance at all. Like Like, he's a good actor, but the character is is does not shine through him <laughs> no i don't get it i i will say i loved my lucretia taylor as lorraine oh yeah she brought such a warmth and just like so natural mm. just such a natural way with that character i also just loved that side story of lorraine and maynard getting married i thought mm. that was really sweet so yeah. sweet like, i love that too my heart and i believed it me too like yeah the publishers yeah. the actors that played yeah. the publishers were so good <laughs> so they good. were so funny and they were so yeah. spot on yeah. yeah adam brody killed me adam brody was incredible <sighs> so good he i died me, but he's also making plantation annihilation <laughs> I starring ryan I reynolds and i've complained it's about ryan so reynolds for a bit now where I'm like, yeah. Ryan Reynolds, he is just making that red label shit. He doesn't care. Mm-hmm. He does not care. I, um, d- I don't agree with that. I think he does. He just doesn't care about the same things you care about. Uh, if looks great. Anyway, Plantation Annihilation reminded me of Antebellum. And I was like, I was just about you know, to that's, say that. Exactly. This isn't even an exaggeration. Like, this is Antebellum. Yes, yeah. that's literally totally. It's lambasting that oh, particular yeah. film. I bet you they're they're literally reading that film yeah. for for Phil. Um, um, Erica so Alexander, yeah, and Jeffrey Wright as a couple, sexy couple, mm, loved very them sexy. together. Yeah. yeah, good adult mature chemistry. Yeah, yeah, totally. Did we have any technical things that kind of stood out for you in this one? For me, this was in terms of sort of technical elements. It, this film was very like a Netflix film or a Prime Video film. Like it was very basic for me that way. Yeah, there wasn't really and there weren't really any shots that were astounding or like the score was whatever. I will say my one thing though, I loved their beach house and mm-hmm. actually said, like I yeah. sketched on a sheet of paper. I was like, I love the way that they've laid out that front room with the little mm. seating area yeah. around. I, I was like, oh, that inspired me. But th- that's about it. I <laughs> think yeah. that the cinematography worked really really well with the humor some of the shots Mm. in this were fucking hilarious and there and it just worked so well with the comedy like there's the one shot when he's watching um when monk is watching Issa Rae read her book and she fit she finishes reading this book and you can just see the disdain in his (laughs) eyes and a white lady stands up and blocks him and starts clapping, and I thought that's a fucking genius shot. Yeah. Okay, so it was moments fine. like that where I was like, "Wow, that's that's good. That's mm-hmm. really good." Yeah, I think that maybe technical doesn't stand out so much, and in in a good way, meaning it didn't take away from how dense the story is, because there's just so much storytelling going on here. We don't need to be distracted by mm-hmm. crazy cinematography. The bells and whistles. Or, of- yeah, yeah, no, yeah. it's not about that. All right. Well, what's the last word on American fiction, Miss Sinclair? I thought this was just a really solid film. It's it's really good. I don't always trust the People's Choice winners (laughs) at TIFF because it's the people picking it. 
<laughs> um, which I never oh, trust. But <laughs> uh, I know I just thought this was such a great watch. It just has a little bit of everything. It has something to say. Just a solid film. Really, really enjoyed it. Edison? <laughs> yeah, I also really like this film. I took literally a half vacation day last week at work because <laughs> I really wanted to see The Boy and the Heron before it left theaters. Mm. And then I did a double feature and saw this after mm. and by myself. And it was an afternoon. And I was just sitting there in the theater, just like laughing out loud and having such a good time watching this. I love that this film made me enjoy the experience of watching it mm. and also gave me so much to think about yeah. and chew on. Yeah. I really appreciated it. I thought it was, yeah, a really great film mm-hmm. for sure. How about you, Helen? Yeah, I thought this movie was really good. It was a great blend of drama and comedy. It was super thought-provoking. It was under two hours. Um, and <laughs> I'm truly looking forward to watching this movie again i know that we say Mm -hmm. that often about movies but this is in particular i really actually can't wait to watch this movie again Mm -hmm. nice all right well this has been another episode of talk movie to me if you would like to get in touch with us our email is talkmovie to me at gmail.com follow us on instagram at talkmovie to me rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts and all of season seven episodes are on youtube and it's youtube.com slash talk movie to me podcast. I'm Helen. I'm Miss Sinclair. And I'm Edison. See you next week. <laughs> <laughs>